0: Coming up on the talk show, this is actually one of the longer episodes I've had in a while. Um, It's actually one of the first times I struggled to write the episode. I was like, hi, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I guess I'll start writing and see what happens. Um, And it kind of turned out to be one of the longest ones. It kind of happens that way. So I don't want to waste any time telling you what's coming up. Listen, it's good. Welcome back to another edition of the talk show. It's Wednesday evening, so I've been pretty consistent with that. And that's something I've worked on with this, uh, trying to be more consistent with the episodes. And it's actually a loaded episode. It's funny because when I started writing this episode, I was like, "Hmm, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Do I just complain about the Yankees again? Do I go over what the Knicks did again? Um, Yeah, it's kind of stuff that I covered. This is one of those weeks um, where the, there's not just a lot of natural content out there. My guys, Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo, Craig Carton, they're all off this week. This is one of those weeks where sports, it's kind of it's summer league basketball. I watch summer league uh, because I want to see my young Knicks, and we'll get to that later. But um, not a lot of people cover summer league basketball on their talk shows and radio shows and sports talk radio and all that. Um, and then NFL, it's kind of starting up and we're seeing some storylines and some headlines, but it's mostly clickbait and stuff. I don't buy into all those things. Although I have people texting me and like, hey, Zach Wilson did this or this guy did that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, OK, it's it's preseason. Not even. Yeah, it's uh, what what's it called? Well, last week they had the Hall of Fame game. So I guess that's technically preseason and preseason starts later this week. But Um, it's training camp and it doesn't mean anything to me yet. Uh, show, you know, get back to me in five years. I'll tell you, isn't that, wasn't that a quote from someone like, can Sam Darnold be a franchise quarterback? And they're like, get back to me in five years. I'll let you know. I think it actually may have been, um, Todd Bowles. (laughs) Ironically, I guess he was his first coach. Wow. The Sam Darnold, uh, era in New York really didn't work out. Um, but you know, a lot of people that you see talking on the radio or TV, it's just clickbait. Now they're, coming up with you know just weird kind of dumb classic sports talk tv arguments and stuff a lot of lebron versus mj talk right about now or they talk about aaron Rodgers and is he friends with the packers or not and all that kind of fake stories that you see going around and i try not to do that on the podcast i try and keep it pretty real um So this is what I got to talk about now. You know, I'm not going to be Stephen A Smith and just try and make headlines. That's what he does when there is real content to talk about also, by the way. So it's not that he's just doing it when there's nothing to talk about. He always does that. He's just a clickbait machine. And that's his, that's what he gets paid to do. Or Colin Cowherd is probably, you know, well, he did, he compared Zach Wilson to um, Johnny Manziel. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was going to say Baker Mayfield, because that's another quarterback that he compared to Johnny Manziel, who he hated also, but uh, he's not willing to back down from the Baker thing yet, but we'll see what happens because Baker's been pretty good. Um, so now he's comparing Zach Wilson to Johnny Menzel because he also wears a headband. So yeah, the Cardinal sin of wearing a headband as a quarterback, uh, you will get compared by Colin Cowherd to Johnny Menzel, especially if you have one bad game and get drafted by a franchise that's not great. By the way, if you go back a few months when he thought the 49ers were going to take Zach Wilson, he was actually singing Zach Wilson's praises. So Who knows? Um, (laughs) That's Colin Coward for you. And Skip Bayless is the newest one. He doesn't like Mike McCarthy as the Dallas Cowboys head coach because he's fat. Um, And he got called out by the host of that show. I don't know her name, Jenny Taft or something. I'm not sure. But she called him out and it was really funny. She's like, wait, so you don't like Mike McCarthy because he's fat? Um, Skip Bayless is just an idiot. He always has been. And ESPN, when they replaced him with Max Kellerman, at least Max Kellerman can, when he's saying you know, obnoxiously stupid opinions to make Stephen A look good. He can kind of sound smart saying it, which is hard to do. So credit to to uh, Max for that. Skip just sounds like an idiot always. Um, so I'm not going to do that. And I'm not here to bash those guys. And that's how they make their living. And they are legendary at it. These guys are the kings of clickbait. They get, you know, big stories. They get all those things. And so good for them. Um, I'm going to try not to do that. I'm going to try and stay creative, come up with different things to talk about. Talk a little bit about the process. Uh, I I always say that I want to talk about the process of making the podcast and what it's kind of like for me and what my goals are with this. So, this is an opportunity to do that. And I'm going to get to some NBA stuff, get to some NFL stuff, get to some baseball stuff, complain about the Yankees, all that stuff a little bit later. But, you know, it's the turn of the Jewish calendar now. Um, The calendar year kind of turns over right about now. Um, The new year is coming up in less than a month. So, that's time for uh, introspection and reflection, looking back on the year before and kind of planning for the year ahead so i thought you know what this would be a good time for me to talk about my goals and aspirations not in uh you know a jewish or spiritual way because that's uh something i'm gonna do with myself personally and not do that on the podcast but um you know just thinking about different things with the podcast and where i started uh, i started about 10 months ago so i started in the middle of the football season last year it's crazy that's football already again and i started in the middle of the football season so that kind of tells you how long i've been doing this um I, I want to say like 10 months, maybe nine, but about 10 months. Um, where I am, well, I wouldn't have landed the job that I currently have if not for the podcast. Um, this is not the end all be all. I'm not saying I made it by any uh, stretch, but this is definitely a step closer to where I want to be, I think. Um, and even that every day, you know, I'm working towards my goals. Uh, I have some stuff on the table now to kind of try and make the podcast a better experience to listen to to make it a more professional experience, to have a blog to go around with it. I know I talked about that a while ago, but now um, I have actually someone taking care of that and helping me out with that. So that's really fun. Um, And we're working on a whole bunch of stuff, a website and a bunch of different things that are going to help the podcast, hopefully not only help the experience for the current listeners, but help grow the platform for new listeners, which is just ultimately the goal. You want the right person to hear it. And, you know, the way it happens with these podcasts is sometimes they pop when you're in media. There's so many people just pushing media out there and everyone's kind of trying to look for that one thing that's going to, you know, get them noticed. Uh, For me, it's really building a portfolio as of now. I'm my biggest critique. I like to sit back and listen to my episodes multiple times and see where I can improve and do better and see what I like and what I don't like. As an avid podcast listener and now, um, you know, I work with podcasters and radio hosts and all that stuff i kind of have an idea of what i'm looking for what i want to hear what i don't want to hear i have a certain style in mind um there are things that i like there are things that i don't like and i try and kind of implement those things into my podcast i don't know what the listeners like again i I appreciate all feedback so people who do give me feedback um i love it definitely i love when people interact with me on social media regarding the podcast or anything um but yeah, that's that's what I'm here for. I'm here to get better. I'm here to grow personally. And if people are listening along the way, the day ones, um shout out to you guys because you know, I'm not really expecting that. Uh, I always talk about how I do this because I love it and I want to get better and I want to grow and all those things. Um, but the main thing for me is just putting the content out there and having the content, you know, in a place that's accessible for anyone at any point to hear. That's what's amazing about podcasting. That's what's great about the internet. That's what's great about um, blogging. That it's just a free market. You know, you could put anything out there, and anyone can hear it. Anyone can find you. Um, and I talk about guys like John Boy or uh, different guys like Bill Simmons, even in his day when it was much harder. He was working for uh, you know high school sports and writing about them, but. John Boyd just put out content every day. And then 2019, after the whole Astros thing came out, or even before that with Aaron Boone, he kind of just popped. So I'm not saying that something's going to (laughs) happen out of what I'm doing now that's just going to pop. I'm going to keep working at it. I'm not saying I'm good enough to get to that point, but I think I am. I think you know the content's pretty good. And all I need is one person to tell me off and I'll work even harder and I'll try and get better. So I do want to hear what people have to say. I do want to hear feedback. And if you're not interested in hearing this, by the way. That's fine. Also, maybe you just want to hear my, me talk about sports or maybe you don't care about my opinions about sports. But um, this process, I said I would take people along with the ride um, and it's been a ride so far. And I hope it's far from over, but you never know. So I'm enjoying it while it lasts. Uh, so that's kind of my update on what's going on here. Again, lots of stuff coming. I'm working on some guests. So uh, we're trying to get a couple people that I've been in touch with um to get on the show so we can have more content to talk about uh more people just kind of get the name out there also it that helps uh and also i guys voicemails i say this every episode um and i don't know how many people are listening again but there's a voice note link um or a voicemail link in the description so leave voicemails i promise you that's what i'll talk about if you leave a voicemail and it's even remotely interesting or not i'll play it on the show and i will talk about it on the show. So uh, that's what's up. Um, And let's get right into actual sports content, because that's what people are here for, or maybe not, or maybe you're just here to support either way. Like I said, I appreciate it and uh, constantly working on it. So um, it's great to see that some people actually do listen and really like it. So uh, feedback is always welcome. I think I said that a bunch of times already. So let's get into sports. Uh, Let's start with the NBA. And it's kind of interesting. The NBA landscape has changed and now free agency is basically over and there's a couple of dominoes left to fall, which we'll talk about. But I think the East overall got better. And now there's a bunch of teams that can really contend in the Eastern conference. I don't think there's anyone that jumped to like a championship level though. I don't feel that there's a team in the Eastern conference that now is like, Oh my God, now they're going to contend. They're going to be better than Milwaukee or Brooklyn. And that's the biggest thing. Milwaukee, and Brooklyn are the favorites in my opinion and really Brooklyn just kind of extended the window right they signed Kevin Durant to what a four-year extension beyond this season so now the window's open for a while um and who knows what happens with Kyrie Irving and what's going on in his head or his situation and who knows if James Harden can lose the weight and become more reliable I don't know. Listen, in the past, two years ago, you told me KD and James Harden were going to be on the team. I wouldn't have even cared about Kyrie. I would have just said, oh my God, that's a championship window right there. Those two guys are incredible. And, you know, if Kevin Durant can step up and really be the man, he's obviously the most talented NBA player right now. I think that's, uh, you know, you watched him play for Team USA. He's on a different level than anyone else in the world. Now you can say that. Um, and even after what Giannis did in the finals and even throughout the playoff run, and just how incredible and how motivated he is and the mind over matter and all that at the end of the day i always talk about the nba being a talent driven league and brooklyn is the most talented and kevin durant is the most talented so i would say they are the favorites not only in the east but to win the title next year and that starts with kevin durant at the top and extending that window whatever they end up putting around him whoever it is for the next few years that is going to be a championship caliber team milwaukee you can't just dis- discard them like again I didn't like Mike Budenholzer until uh, they actually won the title. I thought he wasn't great. Again, I wasn't a huge Giannis fan until they actually won the title. But credit where credits due. Uh, they were incredible in that series. They Giannis turned it on. Giannis, he kind of didn't even turn into a different player. He just really brought out what he's great at, and that's what's the difference between Giannis and Ben Simmons. People talk about their shooting and. Giannis isn't afraid to miss. Giannis isn't afraid to miss every single free throw until he gets better. He'll keep going there. And even if it's on national TV and the NBA finals, he does not care. Ben Simmons is so image conscious. He's so scared. Oh, people might say this, people might say that. And that's why he's not as good. He's not working on the free throws. He's not trying to get better. Or if he's trying to get better, he's just not getting better. And that's the difference between them. And let's go there next. Um, or actually, let's talk about Philly a little bit later. But Boston, what they did, um obviously, one of the weirdest contract situations we've seen in the NBA in a while is what happened with Dennis Schroeder gets offered $84 million from the Los Angeles Lakers in March right before the playoffs. He thinks, oh, I'm going to go out and have a great playoffs. Anthony Davis is going to be healthy. We're going to go on a deep playoff run and then someone's going to throw a ton of money at me because that's what happens in free agency, especially with teams like the Knicks who had a lot of free uh, cap space. But what ended up happening was Anthony Davis got hurt. LeBron was disinterested and Dennis Schroeder decided had to basically carry the team if they were going to go anywhere. And he stunk. So people are like, oh, well, actually, he's not that good. And now he gets $5.9 million from the Celtics for one year. So he's going to take another chance on himself, try and make a name for himself. And for the Celtics, you take a guy who's not a great shooter, but can be a facilitator, Dennis Schroeder. He's proven in the league that he's a decent point guard at times. And Boston's whole mentality now is try and see what you have with the two Jays. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. See what you got with them. See how they can work together. See a point guard who can maybe facilitate for them and make it happen and make them mesh together and make that something that works. Obviously, I think at their best, what they can be is a dominant duo with some pieces around them that could really lead them to a championship. Two players who are kind of positionless, big wing players who can also play in the post. I mean, that's what the NBA is today, right? It's guys like that. And obviously what Tatum did, he looked really good in the last game for Team USA. And sometimes that helps guys. Sometimes they come back from international basketball and they learn a couple of things from the other guys they were with. Um, and they really get really better. And we see that improvement. So for Jalen and Jason, we'll see how that is. But that's the Boston, you know, I don't expect them to be as bad as they were last year. I expect them to be much, much better in one of the top teams in the East. Chicago, I talked about them already. They did the right thing. We don't know how they're going to move forward with Zach Levine. They might decide to move him. They've kind of made it clear they don't want to give him a ton of money. They kind of just gave that money to Demar Derozan instead. Uh, so again, kind of when I initially saw their moves, I was like, "Yeah, in the immediate future this year, this is really good." But then if you look at it kind of a couple years down the road, yeah, you have Lonzo, and I really like the Lonzo move. Demar Derozan is now the guy, and he's going to be what thirty-five years old. They're paying him a lot of money at that age, and then. I'm talking about the end of the contract, not coming up this year. And then uh, Zach Levine, do they decide to move him? How, who, how, um, if they would, if you're not going to pay him, then you probably do have to move him. And what happens with that situation? So kind of this year, if they can keep it together, maybe they are a top four seed in the East, but beyond this year, there's kind of some question marks there. Miami, the same thing. Uh, do you really trust that, Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler, again, they're going to be really good this year, but who knows what goes on beyond that? That's kind of the question mark and kind of a running theme with the Eastern Conference teams. Washington is in the best spot, if you ask me. Uh, We don't know what Bradley Beal wants. We don't know if he's going to want to stay, if he's going to want to leave anyway. He's always with the cryptic tweets and the Instagram posts and all that, but I really like the team that they have with Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal and all those guys together now with those deep role players there's depth there which gives you two things you can move some of those guys and bring in a superstar or maybe depth wins i mean we just saw the bucks with a really deep team kind of win there was really just one superstar it wasn't a super team there was one superstar and a bunch of guys who are really really solid solid players and if bradley beal can take that next step and some of these guys can step up maybe they can be a great team this year and if Bradley Beal wants out and they have to move him, there's still depth there. They could bring in someone else, maybe a different star, somehow try and work that roster situation out. By the way, the Detroit Pistons, you want to talk about future and not right now, because some of those teams talked about have kind of a good window right now, but the future is bleak. If Killian Hayes can be half the player that some people thought he would be coming out of college, Cade Cunningham is insane though that combination that backcourt combo can be really good for many years to come so good job by detroit and if you look three four years down the road that could be one of the powerhouses in the eastern conference if they continue to build that correctly atlanta also another team they now have their five-year window if not beyond with trey young and john collins and those guys locked up like i said in last episode if they can keep the right pieces around them they could be really good and indianapolis also again another team that was good last year that you kind of expect them to improve beyond this. They've been trying to trade Miles Turner, who's a really good player. He's a center who can shoot threes. He's a valuable piece. We'll see what they can get back for him if they do end up trading it. But they've been trying to trade him for a while. So that's kind of interesting. And now you kind of go through that list. And they also have Rick Carlisle now, who's going to be the head coach. Who He immediately comes into a situation and can probably help them mesh and help them learn how to play with each other. And, of course, my Knicks. Um and I'm going to talk about the Knicks in one second. But if you look at Boston, Chicago, New York, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami, Washington, Detroit, Philly, Atlanta, and Indiana, take Detroit out of there. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, se- seven, eight, 9, 10 teams. That's the 10 teams that we talk about, with obviously the last four teams having to compete for the last two playoff spots in the play in. But those 10 teams are really good in the Eastern Conference and can all be really good this season. So. That's going to be fun to watch uh, in the regular season in the playoffs. A bunch of teams that are pretty evenly matched, with obviously the two teams at the top. One of those teams is the Knicks. And the question is, did they take a real step forward this offseason? Did they not take a real step forward this offseason? And in order to answer the question, I really want to go back to 10 months ago. 10 months ago, you probably would have told me that the New York Knicks have zero direction. The franchise is a mess. They don't know where they're going, they have no identity. It's just a bunch of expiring guys on expiring one-year contracts who are going to be out the door next year and a bunch of young guys with question marks, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett, guys who we just didn't know about. Um, And since then, they've totally flipped that script. There's totally a different narrative with this team now. And one quote that really stood out to me, um, which I loved, was from Emmanuel Quickly, who said that, He's like, yeah, listen, this is the Knicks culture. They asked him after the game. He's like, I'm, you know, guys who work hard, guys who enjoy the hard work, guys who put in the effort. That's why we brought in guys like Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker so I can learn from them. Hearing words like Knicks culture and hard work and putting in the effort and team basketball and enjoying the work and all that. And you see it. You see videos going up every day of Julius Randle working hard. Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly said they took two days off after the season ended and got right back in the gym. And you see it. Those guys have looked incredible. Obviously, they're playing in Summer League against lesser talent. But they've looked so good. Emmanuel quickly at the point, And Obi playing the five has looked really, really good. And then they have some young pieces. I'm kind of sad that they lost the Opinzen. Obviously, he's, you know, that spark plug on the bench. But he's not going to get real minutes. You want guys like Jericho Sims and a bunch of the other guys that they drafted who just look really good so far um, in the NBA Summer League to get some spots off the bench or if not off the bench, then at least getting to learn and sit on the bench and see these other guys ahead of them uh, and retain those guys. So it makes sense that maybe Theo wants to go try and get an opportunity somewhere else um, to actually get some playing time. Sad to see him go, but as far as this franchise goes, they've come a really long way and they've remained flexible. That's another thing. I talked about some of these teams that are locked in long-term or, they're ready to go this year. The Knicks, I don't think they're championship contenders this year. I think that would be crazy to say, but they're flexible for years to come. They have some pieces with RJ. They obviously locked up Julius Randle. Quickly looks like he's getting better. Maybe Obi Toppin could take the next step. Mitchell Robinson, those guys. And then the pieces around them this year will be good enough to compete in this tough Eastern Conference this year. Um, and then we'll see what happens down the road. A team that I think kind of takes a step back just by virtue of. So much chaos going on is the Sixers. And I said, I mentioned them a minute ago, but the Sixers really take a step back now because where are you sending Ben Simmons at this point? That's still a problem. That's still a question. Something that we weren't sure if that would be a question this late. They, I mean, it was a foregone conclusion right after the playoffs. They're getting rid of Ben Simmons. There's no way he can remain on this roster, right? I don't know. Maybe he can remain on this roster. It just, again, I don't know what they're doing with him. It's just a weird situation. And who can they get for him at this point? And this is where we transfer to the Western Conference and Portland. Is that just the answer? Dame for Ben Simmons? And then Philly's going to have to throw in a ton of picks. But then Philly becomes great. You got Dame and you have uh, Embiid and all those guys. And then it's a great situation. But I don't even think anyone's going to give up Dame for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons' stock is at an all-time low. Only if the Sixers run it back and Ben proves that he didn't improve his jump shooting. He didn't work on his free throws. He's still so image conscious about how he looks when he's failing to make those shots. Then all of a sudden his stock gets even lower right now. You can kind of sell it like, hey, this was just a one-time fluke in the playoffs. That kind of happens. Guys have bad playoff series and be like, hey, look Giannis turned it around. He had two MVP seasons, had a bunch of bad playoff series. And now look, he won a championship and was the finals MVP and was probably the best player in the playoffs. So Right now, that's how Philly can spin it. But if you take him back another year and he hasn't improved and he hasn't gotten any better, then you really can't spin it anyway other than, oh, my God, this guy might not be that good. So the trade that people are talking about is CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons. That actually might work. And to me, that would work for both teams. I like to see Ben Simmons in the Draymond role for Dame. What Draymond does for Steph Curry, the same thing Ben Simmons can do, and probably to a little bit of a higher level, then Draymond does it in Golden State for Dame. Dame could start moving around off ball, running around the way Steph does. Obviously, it's a big adjustment for Dame in his career. He's not done that yet. But if we can see that happen, that would be something incredible. And that would mean a CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons trade. That's the only way I see this working out. Otherwise, is Ben Simmons going to Golden State? Where is he going? Is he going to just a non-factor team like Sacramento, who has just a plethora of point guards that they could just get rid of one of them, even if it's De'Aaron Fox? Um, I don't know. In other news in the Western conference, the biggest story is the Lakers. And at the end of the day, when I look at this franchise, they're going to be good. I look at this roster. I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? Yes. It's a 2k team. Yes. They're all past their prime. They all know how to play. Westbrook's going to bring the energy every night. LeBron is going to bring the intelligence and they're going to win 50 games in the regular season. And you have to give them respect because 50 games is nothing to sneeze at. It's a good record. They're going to be one of the top three teams in the Western Conference, probably. The question is the playoffs. And I don't know. Listen, you have a bunch of smart, older, yes, older, but veteran guys. And can they figure out the playoffs? And I've not done a full 180 from saying that, oh, it's not going to work. And it's going to be funny to watch it tear down because I do think in the playoffs, that's what's going to happen. But is there a chance that they can figure it out? there is a chance and is the regular season, is it going to look good? I think so. I think some nights it's going to look really fun in the regular season. And the question is who can beat them as far as the Denver nuggets. I think that's a really good team. If they do have Jamal Murray, if he's not healthy, then they take a major step back again. MPJ maybe takes another step forward for them. So maybe that works. And obviously Jokic, we know how great he is, but if they don't have Jamal Murray, that's not a complete team. Golden state warriors. They're trying to do something cool. They're kind of, because they took advantage of the injuries and Kevin Durant leaving to kind of bridge the gap now where they have these young players, they pair them with the older guys. I don't know if they make any trades, but if they pair Klay Thompson and Steph Curry and Draymond with the new guys, obviously Wiseman and those guys, maybe it does work. Maybe that's something that they actually kind of bridged together and they look better than they did last year. But last year really was just Steph Curry and nothing. And we'll see. We haven't seen Klay Thompson in two years now. Can he come back and be good? And be the player he once was. The other option is Phoenix. Phoenix maybe just runs it back. Phoenix was really good. They went to the finals. People doubted them all year. People said, oh, they're not as good as we think. It's just because of the Western Conference. So many people got hurt. But at the end of the day, they went to the finals. And they went to six games of the finals. And they looked really good for the first two games of that series. And then didn't really look good at all after that. But maybe we see that dominant Phoenix team that we saw for the first round of the playoffs come back in the regular season and really get even better a second year of them gelling together and Aiton's older and Booker's older and all those guys. And maybe that does work next year. As far as the jazz, they're going to do everything they can to keep Donovan Mitchell. That's their goal. They were the number one seed in the Western conference. Nobody, Nobody really bought it. And then they kind of faltered in the playoffs and we saw it, but they're trying to keep Donovan Mitchell. They're trying to keep him happy. He's the next star. If I had to predict the next guy who wants out, maybe after Beal and, These guys, again, I don't know about Beal, but Beal and Dame and Ben, the next guy who kind of was hinting at, okay, I want to move somewhere else is Donovan Mitchell. And I think this is the last year to make it work with him. And if it can work, then great. If not, I think he will be gone and want out. So the Jazz have another year to run it back. Will they be better than the Lakers? Will they be better than the Suns? Better than Denver if they do have Jamal Murray? I don't think so. So uh, they better work hard to make sure that they keep Mitchell happy so that he's not Looking elsewhere. The LA Clippers are another interesting story because Kawhi Leonard's probably not going to be there this year. And that's going to be interesting to see. Ty Lu and the fight in Clippers or the comeback Clippers, whatever I call them during the postseason. And you make Paul George a superstar again. Those guys, maybe it'll be a fun story again. And that's something that we can watch. And then maybe they do get a five-six seed, and then Kawhi comes back for the playoffs, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, this team is going on a run and they kind of learn how to play. And you just plug Kawhi in kind of like what happened with Toronto. They all learned how to play together for a bunch of years. And then you plug Kawhi in instead of DeRozan. And it's like, Oh my God, now we have just this one guy. We still do our thing. And then Kawhi kind of comes in and does his own thing. He's not really a team player in a way because he's just an interesting loner. So maybe that does work. The Mavs, it's all about Luca. Can they sign Luca? Can they get him to lock in long-term? Can they get him to commit? And, <laughs> It's the same thing with all these young NBA stars. And where's Porzingis? Does Porzingis ever revert back into the Porzingis we saw the first couple years in New York? I don't know. And then the Pelicans. And this is really the playoff teams. The New Orleans Pelicans are a mess. Um, They blamed the head coach last year. Now they lost Lonzo. So any continuity that that offense had at all, I don't see it getting any better without Lonzo. Um, Zion's already talking about wanting out. He doesn't really have any leverage. I think he will take the guaranteed money when it's thrown at him. But we've seen that contracts don't matter in the NBA anymore. And if you, you want to bet on a guy who can get out of shape quickly, the way James Harden did, I bet Giannis can do it. He's a big, uh, not Giannis, but Zion. He's a bigger guy. I don't know if I said Giannis last time. Maybe I said Giannis twice. I mean, Zion Williamson Um, and Brandon Ingram just hasn't turned into that player yet that he, people think he can be at times. He kind of looks Durant-esque, but at other times he totally disappears and there's no one to run that offense anymore. Um, And that's kind of a, A really messy situation for New Orleans, and I I wish them luck. Uh, That's all I got in the NBA. So those are the storylines. That's really early predictions for what I think is going to happen. Not really predictions, but kind of just an overview of what's going to happen. I'm going to come back with NFL stuff next. The NFL is right around the corner, and I can't wait. Yeah, right around the corner, kind of not really. We already had the Hall of Fame game. I watched the first half because I'm that excited for football. So I watched the first half of the Hall of Fame game. It was super boring. Um, I obviously watched Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame speech because it was funny. Uh, Tom Brady is a 1,000 years old and looks younger than everyone else in the room and is still there, which is just crazy. Um, and I also kind of got this from... Ryan Rosillo. Yes, sometimes I borrow from Ryan Rossillo. You may have heard me talk about him. I think he is the best uh, current talk show. I've been listening to him since he was doing Rosillo and SVP or SVP and Rosillo on, on ESPN radio back when I was, I guess, in high school or maybe even middle school. Um, and he's really great. He's taken his show now to the ringer on Bill Simmons Network. And I started listening to his podcast. And he does the exact opposite of all the guys I mentioned at the top of the podcast where he's not trying to get clickbait. He's not trying to make a story out of himself. He just really kind of takes a step back from everything and analyzes it and takes it for what it's worth and looks at it and looks at the players as human beings and says, OK, these guys are guys who sometimes this happens because of this and this and there's different factors. And it's not all statistic and TV and drama. It's kind of there's there's more to it. And at the same time, less to it. It's more simple. Um and just normal stuff that you and I go through every day is kind of the way he explains it. And it's really cool to listen to him talk like that. And also just talk about the NBA and talk about football and just see it the way it is and not uh, buy into hype and not talk about players who are on house of highlights and like they're gods and, you know, people who get it done, but aren't on house of highlights like they stink um, as some people tend to do. So uh, he had a guy on his podcast who does these QB rankings. He, um, Every year, he goes to 50 different uh, NFL personnel people. So that's either players or coaches. Um, some of them are head coaches. They're, I think they're anonymous for the most part. I think there's maybe four or five tiers of quarterbacks. And then he um, asks them where they would rank. And then they all rank the guys. And they give a few quotes about these quarterbacks. And it's cool to see what people who are actually in the NFL. Uh, some of them are teammates of these guys. Some of them are people who play against these guys think about these quarterbacks. And some interesting things came out when I was listening to this. Um, again, I don't remember his name it was on the Ryan Rosillo podcast. The guy works for the athletic. So I, it's not like I can even read the article if I wanted to, cause it's behind a paywall. Um, but um, yeah, now I'm going to get a targeted ad later today for the $1 first month trial for the athletic. Can't wait for that. Uh, every time I talk about it or every time I try and read an article there. So I get that ad um, later that day. Um, And it works. It's a real thing. Uh, trust me, I do this for a living uh, with ads and targeted. And yes, your phone is listening to you when you talk. And it's always listening to you. And it's recording you and trying to uh, target you for different things. So uh, if you have something to hide, uh, don't have a cell phone, I guess. I don't know. I have nothing to hide, really. I kind of talk about everything on my podcast. So you can find it. It's all public online. Um, so a bunch of interesting things. What basically comes out of this is there's not as many elite quarterbacks as we thought. If you think about the NFL landscape and the quarterback landscape specifically, we've been saying the last few years, oh my God, there are so many good quarterbacks. And yes, as far as fantasy football, that's true because quarterbacks are going to run for more touchdowns than ever. They're running more than ever. They're putting up crazy numbers. James Winston throws for 5,000 yards. Anyone can throw for 5,000 yards. Um, so I broke this up into two groups, really the numbers and potential guys, and obviously a bunch of guys I left out. And then the top 10 quarterbacks, um, who I really think are the top 10 quarterbacks in the league right now. Um, so I'll start off with the numbers into potential guys. Number one, Jameis Winston. Yes, there's potential there. He sat out for a year, sat behind Drew Brees, maybe Sean Payton and his offense. Maybe something really good comes out of that. Maybe he's matured a little bit. Maybe he's a little bit older. He's obviously looking like he's having more fun playing football than ever at the same time while he's been acting more mature. So that's just a great combination for Jameis. I think you could throw Cam Newton in this category. Also, Cam Newton's the same thing. We've seen him be great. We've seen him last year. look like he doesn't even have an arm on him. Um, and we'll see what happens. Another guy is Ryan Tannehill. By the way, Ryan Tannehill has the most yards per attempt of anyone in the NFL over the last few years, more than Mahomes, more than anyone. Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, any of those guys. Um, He has more than any of those guys. Justin Herbert. Um, And the interesting thing about that is that's where numbers can be deceiving. Uh, Another guy whose numbers are... And listen, Tannehill great game manager guy who can be a quarterback i don't think he's you can win a super bowl with him like you won a super bowl with joe flacco anyone can get hot and he can carry you but he's more closer to jimmy garoppolo than he is to tom brady that's that's just my personal opinion and how i feel about ryan Tannehill. and apparently how other you know guys around the league based on this coaches and gm uh anonymous survey feel about ryan Tannehill. also he wasn't that high on the list A guy who I think is going to be great putting up numbers at least and has incredible potential for this year, even though he's straight out of college, is Trevor Lawrence. I talked about Trevor Lawrence on this podcast so many times. Anyone who's listened to the podcast last year talking about the Jets and how they tried to lose out for Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, didn't work out. He's going to be in Jacksonville, um, and he's going to be insane. He's just going to have an opportunity to air it out. That division's not very good. They could actually win a bunch of games, um, and he's just going to be throwing for 500 yards a game if he wants to. Um, and he's going to run. He's just incredibly talented. They're saying Andrew Luck, and he's looked great. The hype, he's the only guy who was super, super hyped before the draft, and he's become even more hyped during training camp, and at every step, everyone's just saying, yes, he's this good. So I'm curious to see. Kyler Murray's another guy. Obviously, he was really hyped coming into last year, and then he kind of fell off a little bit as the year went on. He had some great plays. He had some low moments, but he's another guy who... If all comes together, the potential is there. Another guy who's going to put up numbers, but we've kind of seen what he is, is Derek Carr. Derek Carr's not the problem out in Las Vegas. I don't know what is. Obviously, the defense is a major issue. But he's not the problem. He's going to put up huge numbers. The question is if he's good or not. Or not and I don't know the answer to that. He kind of just is. We know that he had that crazy MVP season, but another guy who had an MVP season that same year was... um Carson Wentz. And now I'm actually hearing that he might actually make it back in time for the season. He had surgery like two weeks ago or a week ago. And now he might make it back for week one, which is even crazier in Indianapolis. So we'll see what happens with them. Jared Goff is another guy. He was the same uh, class as Carson Wentz. And Jared Goff, again, people forget he went to a Super Bowl. Yes, it was the Sean McVay offense. Yes, they fell apart. Now he's in Detroit with, I don't know, that's a mess situation. But Goff won a playoff game last year against the Seahawks. Again, we're not going back that long to show points that Goff can be successful. So I do think there's a potential there for Jared Goff to be good. A guy who puts up huge numbers is Kirk Cousins, and yet he stinks in big games. Um, And an interesting Kirk Cousins stat. And this is why maybe he stinks in big games and people are confused. Why is he so good, but he's so bad simultaneously. Um, Kirk Cousins has the most touchdowns or leads the league in, touchdowns when trailing by 10 or more or yards, but when trailing by 10 or more, both of those stats, he is incredible when they are down a ton of points. So when he's just airing it out and they're down a ton, he's great. But when he actually needs to put together drives and that's why he's terrible in primetime games against good teams, he stinks. Um, So he's what I call a numbers guy. I don't know about a potential, but he's a numbers guy He's going to put up huge numbers. Another guy who I think second year is going to put up big numbers, have big potential. And I think they might even challenge the chiefs for the division title. Is Justin Herbert? Yes, I said it. That division is usually a lock, right? You think it's the Chiefs, but he's got Keenan Allen, who I think is the best route runner in the league. He's had another year to improve. He looked great last year. Anthony Lynn cost them a bunch of games last year, and I think Justin Herbert can be really, really good this year. Another guy who there's potential for because he's shown it in the past, but I do think he's over the hill and on the back nine of his career and probably closer to the end of that is Ben Roethlisberger. Um, He's in Pittsburgh. The team's going to be good again. The team's expected to be good again. I just don't know how good he is. A guy who I put in here in the potential category is Tua Tagovailoa. vailoa The only reason I did that is because he was so good in college, and it's just weird that he's been so bad in the NFL. I've never seen a guy come out of college with so much hype, and then immediately after, what, nine games, and he didn't even play the full games of all those nine games, everyone's given up on him. That's a weird thing. Um, but the consensus around the NFL is that he's not that great, um, and they might for, try and trade for Deshaun Watson still. We'll see what happens there. Um, another guy in this category is Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield is actually a good quarterback, you know, between the numbers, middle of the field, he zips the ball in there. He's got some capabilities. He's going to make some mistakes. He has some head issues or, you know, issues with leadership or something like that, maybe, but I think he can be real, a really good quarterback. And I think they might challenge the Ravens again for that division title this year. Another guy who it's a prove it season for him. So I'm putting him in the potential category he's really fast we know that that's what everyone says about him is daniel jones he turns the ball over way too much he could put up a ton of numbers and this is the year he needs to prove it in that really terrible division that he can play and he has to win that division i think to keep his job another guy who's going to put up numbers in dc is ryan fitzpatrick he's put up numbers his whole career he's never going to make the playoffs that's the bottom line even when he was 10 and 6 going into the final game or 10 and 5 going into the final game against the Buffalo Bills when he was on the New York Jets he still couldn't pull out a playoff a win to make the playoffs um so I don't know another one of those just empty numbers guys and the last guy is Joe Burrow we'll see how he looks people are saying he looks really nervous and scared and ginger coming off of the injury that makes sense it was a bad leg injury a bad tackle um he has an offensive lineman now so hopefully that's helpful for him and Joe Burrow I think he was really good he showed a lot of good signs next year Uh, last year, and we'll see what happens this year. What I was saying about next year is we might just have to wait for him to come back next year to see his full potential. Another guy coming off of injury, and this is the top 10. At number 10, we have a guy coming off of injury, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, yes, I still believe in him. I put him at 10 because he's coming off an injury, so I don't know, but he was on the road for an MVP season. Yes, it was early in the year before he had that gruesome injury, and yes, now he has to come back from a gruesome injury. They have a wide receiver core. They have a good running back. I really think Dak Prescott is going to take another step. And we'll see what happens. We saw his scar on Hard Knocks, the first episode. And I'm curious to see what's going to happen moving forward with Dak Prescott. Number nine, Lamar Jackson. Listen, you could even argue that he might be higher. Lamar Jackson is going to dominate in the regular season. We know that. He runs around a lot. Yes, his passes and tight windows are not great. He's going to pass a lot to the tight end. His wide receiver core is not great. Yes, we know that. But He's really going to win you games in the regular season with his legs, with doing things a little bit differently. And guess what? If things fall right for them in the playoffs, he could win a Super Bowl. You can't put it past a guy who's got that much talent, obviously the MVP, and that much regular season success. You can't say, oh, he's just never going to be able to do it in the playoffs. There's a chance that he can do it. Do I think he is? No, but there's a chance he can. Another guy who didn't really perform in the playoffs last year, and actually I thought performed really poorly despite winning two playoff games last year, is Josh Allen. He has to prove it again yes we saw one season where he looked mahomes ask he's big he's strong he can run he's tall he throws hard he throws far he's got a great arm he's got good receivers obviously if beasley doesn't get covid and uh, obviously stefan Diggs comes back and that's what he does la- what he did last year but it's another prove it season he is number eight number seven is matt ryan now Matt Ryan, you could say this is really high for Matt Ryan, but at the same time, he's proven year in and year out he's going to get his stats. Yes, he's a numbers guy, kind of like the first list I talked about, but he's for real. And something you'll notice about this list, the quarterbacks in the NFL are not as deep as we thought. There's a lot of empty stats, guys. We talked about how, oh my God, quarterbacks are so great. And this is what I talked about at the beginning of this. No, the numbers quarterbacks are putting up are great. For fantasy, they're great. But Ryan Tana, Matt Ryan is probably the 7th best quarterback in this league. He's probably actually the 7th best quarterback in this league right now, and I don't think you can argue that. Um number 6 is Matthew Stafford. Now he has a real chance to prove it. Matthew Stafford is going to a situation with Sean McVay with great receivers and a good situation out in LA where now he's expected to be great because all those years in Detroit where people are like he's really good, he's really good, he's really good. He has to prove it now because now he's in the perfect situation. You said he's in a bad situation. That's why he wasn't doing that well. Now he's not in a bad situation anymore. And he's got to go out there and show us what he's got. And I really think he will. I want to, you know, MVP odds. I'd put my bet just because the odds are good. I'd put my bet on Matthew Stafford. Number five, we don't know where he's going to be. We don't know when he's going to play. But Deshaun Watson still has the talent to be a number five quarterback in this league. Yes, number five. He's that good. He's been that good ever since he walked in to an NFL field. And yes, last year was a mess with them trading uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And obviously the coach there in that whole situation was a total mess. And who knows what was going off on off the field with Deshaun Watson during that time. But on the field, he still performed even with all that. His numbers were insane. So I really think Deshaun Watson, he's shown that he can be a winner in the past. I think once all this stuff gets ironed out and hopefully it will for him and for the league, we can see the guy be a great NFL quarterback again. Number four is Russell Wilson. Um, listen. he's buying in. That's what he said, or at least for now. uh Russell Wilson, and I wrote an article about this. I said he's not gonna want out after this year. he's going out after next year, and then all the rumors came out like literally a week later that He wants out after this year, and he's looking at different places. Well, he's back, and he said, listen, this offense has the potential to be a lead. He's saying all the right things. He realized he doesn't have as much leverage as he thought he has, and he will have the leverage next year, and it actually makes sense for Seattle to trade him after this year. He really fell off a cliff in the second half of the season and didn't play well at all. He lost that playoff game to Jared Goff and the Rams, so we'll see what happens with the Seahawks this year, but I really do think Russell Wilson is the number four quarterback in the league. Number three, Tom Brady. Now, now, Tom Brady might not be more talented than any of the guys I listed so far, but at the same time, Tom Brady has the intangibles. There's something about it. Yes, he can't make some great throws. There are some plays (laughs) that he looked really bad against Green Bay, and even in the Super Bowl, he looked pretty bad. The defense really led them, and they just killed Patrick Mahomes with the lack of offensive line and all that, but Tom Brady... Something about him, you can't dismiss the fact that he showed up in a new place, new system, new everything, in a pandemic, and they just won a Super Bowl the first year. You can't dismiss that, all the things he's done in his career. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, and he is the third best quarterback going into the NFL season this year. Number two is Aaron Rodgers, and this is the revenge tour for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, I think at times last year, looked even better than Patrick Mahomes. I think he was a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. I think Rodgers will win an MVP again this year. He won the MVP last year already. I think he's going for back-to-back, and he wants to win it. He wants to win with his buddy Randall Cobb, shut up everyone in Green Bay, and then get the hell out of there. I really hope that that happens because it would just be so incredible to watch. When Aaron Rodgers is on, there is nobody who is better to watch than him. There is nobody who is better on the field than him, even Patrick Mahomes. And I hope Aaron Rodgers can be that this coming year. Number one, for obvious reasons, is Patrick Mahomes. Do I have to explain myself? I think the answer is no. He is number one. So that's my top 10 if you go through it. Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Russ, Deshaun, Stafford, Ryan, Allen, Lamar, Dak. You don't like it? Chirp at me. See if I care. No episode of the talk show these days would be complete without me complaining about the Yankees. So here we go. The weekly complaint about the Yankees segment is brought to you by quickly find a sponsor all right we'll say starbucks because that's what i'm living on right now drinking coffee starbucks that first sip feeling anyway um if you want to uh endorse me i do great live reads and endorsements and we're actually working on a bunch of stuff now so uh it's gonna be uh uh, there should be some endorsements coming up like i talked about always trying to move forward with this podcast uh (laughs) we'll see about that i don't know if that's confidential or not hopefully they're not listening right now um Okay, uh, we really got to cut this out. Uh, I don't think this can be on the episode. Um, Yeah. So my weekly complaint about the Yankees. Now, the Yankees, this is just what happens with the Yankees. It kind of reminds me of 2008 and 2014, where they just kept pulling you back in. They were like, oh, here we go. We're pulling you in. And then they kind of, I think, ended both of those years. Obviously, one was Derek Jeter's last year where they ended with the walk-off and all that. Really cute, but they didn't make the playoffs. They ended both those years like five or maybe even four games out of a playoff spot, um, like five, six games out of the division. And we forget, because they've been so good, we forget how bad they were the whole first half of the season. And yes, they've th- fought through adversity and they've kind of played better these you know, last few games and definitely since the All-Star break. Um, But what something the Yankees have been doing all year, and they continue to do that, and until they stop doing it, I'm never going to trust this team, is the punt game. Basically, here's how it works. The last game of a series, especially when they win the first two, and especially if it's a day game, they just punt. They throw out the worst lineup they could possibly throw out there. It's a lot of Brett Gardner, Tyler Wade, and Kyle Gashiokas. And they're like, all right, whatever, we won't win this game. We'll put an opener out there, and we're not going to bring in our good relievers in big spots. We're just going to kind of do that. And they threw out the punt lineup today. Well, first, let's go back in the series, because I decided for some reason that I wanted to score the game on Tuesday night. Or, sorry, it was when, uh, Monday night. I was going to score the Yankee game. Why? I don't know why. That game went 11 innings. The Yankees blew four saves. Some of the craziest stats and things that happened, I don't even know how to score Brett Gardner's ground ball off the face. Of one of the Royals players, their shortstop Lopez. I was like, I don't even know how to score this. A ball to the face? I don't know. Um, And just the most crazy things happen. Four blown saves. It's the most in a game that they still won. Each team scored in the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, and 11th inning of those games. They go back and forth, and somehow the Yankees pulled out that game, and I guarantee you, there's there's no stat to back this up, but I guarantee you if that game was in April, May, or June, the Yankees would have definitely lost that game. But yes, they've been better. They Came out and won that game. And after winning that game, I thought, you know what? They're actually going to come out tomorrow and win because it's crazy. They won such a crazy game. But, no, it started going back and forth the next game. Two runs here, three runs there, back and forth, back and forth. And then the Yankees, once they got to four runs, they were like, this is getting to be too much. You guys can just run away with this. They folded and just sat down and watched Salvador Perez hit a couple homers off of them. And they lost 8-4. And then today, you're like, okay, well, it's a day game before a big series. Obviously, the Field of Dreams game is tomorrow on Thursday, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. So that's a big game, um, and it's against the White Sox. It's a good team in the American League. I'll talk about that also. There's, you know, so that's a big series coming up. This is a classic punk game for the Yankees. Middle of the week, it's on a on a weekday day game. And they put out their punt lineup. Rob Brantley's in the lineup. Guys like Velasquez is in the lineup. Brett Gardner, who's starting to hit well, which is not a good thing because if Brett Gardner's starting to hit well, that means he's going to be in the lineup more often. Same goes for Tyler Wade. Um, and I'm like, wow, really? The And they had an opener. Lucas Lickey, a reliever, is starting the game for them. And I'm like, really? We're going to do a punt game when we've split the first two games of a series that we probably should sweep? We're going to go one and two to KC. And then I started thinking about it. Really, Anthony Rizzo, has changed this team, has changed the way this team played since he showed up. I talked about it on last episode where Anthony Rizzo really totally changed the team the second he showed up. And then the second he's gone, just like that, he's down with COVID right now, and I hope he's better, and I hope he gets well soon. But the second he's gone, all of a sudden, just like that, the Yankees reverted back to the team they were early in the year. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Well, somehow they pulled out a 5-2 victory today. I don't know how. And they go into the the, uh, game tomorrow, the Field of Dreams game after taking the series another series win the only series loss they've had in like the last 10 series losses then 10 series is, is the one against boston that terrible series loss uh earlier in the second half of the season um aaron judge also has been interesting the stats have come out that he's really not clutch i've been saying this for a long time aaron judge hits meaningless homers hits solo shots and he's really not a clutch player uh he's still not a clutch player and then we saw he got thrown out at the plate in that interesting game on Monday night. Um, And someone wrote on Twitter, look, you know, judge is a good player, but he was flat footed. He didn't have a good secondary lead. He really, uh, if he had a good secondary lead and was had his head more in the game, he would have scored easily on that play, which he probably should have been called safe on. Anyway, Um, if you don't know the player I'm referring to, go look at it. It was maybe in the seventh inning of the Yankee game. I think it was the seventh inning. Um, He gets called out and home plate. And then, Eventually, a little while later in the bottom of the seventh, after Luizica's fake balk, Boone got thrown out probably because of the combination of those two things. Aaron Judge doesn't talk a lot on social media at all, decides to clap back at this random reporter saying, oh, yeah, the experts, they don't know what they're talking about. First of all, it was mild criticism of something that had a video attached with it that was proven to be correct. And, and, And what are you talking about? I don't know if anyone asked him a question about that after yesterday's game or after today's game. Again, media availability is weird with COVID because it's Zoom, so not everyone's available to the media. Um, but I'm actually really curious what judge what caused Judge to snap like that. It's not like him, but it just further shows he is the not Derek Jeter. Yankee fans try and turn him into Derek Jeter because they are longing for someone to be their new Derek Jeter. Same here. <laughs> I mean, I used to be a huge A-Rod fan, but watching this current Yankee team, I realized how much I loved and appreciated Derek Jeter and a guy who was just the ultimate professional, the guy who always got it done in the big spot. you wanted him up in the big spot. the guy who always said and did the right thing. Aaron judge, he's not that. a couple other guys who aren't that. Luke Voigt, um and again, Luke Voigt has always worn his, you know, emotions on his sleeve. He's always said what's on his mind. He's always been very honest and it's kind of endearing to Yankee fans. Everyone thought he was gone after the rizzo trade. The rumors were out he they're trying to trade him. and he, Straight up said, hey, I'm not so happy with that. They were going to just leave him in the minor leagues as long as they possibly could. They have to bring him up because Rizzo goes down and he comes back. He makes some errors in the first game and he's not great. But guess what? He cares more than anyone. And when he looks good the way he did in that crazy game the other day, he's so much fun to have on this team. He brings an energy to this team. He brings a life to this team. And I love Luke Voigt, which brings me to Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton needs to play the outfield. And none of this jogging out there and jogging around the bases, it is so frustrating to watch. The Yankees' optimal lineup is with Giancarlo playing left field or right field. Why? Because then you put Judge and Gallo in the outfield, you put Rizzo at first base, and you put Voight as the DH. That is the optimal Yankee lineup. And you know what? If Stanton gets hurt, so be it. If he gets hurt, then at least you can claim the insurance and you don't have to pay him anymore. You don't have to worry about him swinging at pitches that are not even close to the strike zone. He literally goes up every at bat and looks like he's blindfolded. And Unless you throw him fastballs down the middle, there is no point to pitch him anything but breaking balls down and away because unless you throw him fastballs down the middle, he's not going to hit. And Even when you do throw fastballs down the middle, half the time he looks at it, I don't think there must be something wrong with his eyes. I honestly think that. like He swings at pitches that are way out of the zone, takes pitches that are right down the middle. Yes, when he makes contact, he hits it really hard. You know, Yankee fans were like just creaming themselves to, uh, I really try and be clean on this podcast. I'm sorry. But they were really getting overly excited over a ground ball double play that Giancarlo hit because he hit it 122 miles an hour. It's the hardest hit ball in the stack S era. Who cares? Who cares? He hit 122 miles an hour, but right at someone, and then he jogged to first, and it was an easy double play. I don't understand it. People get so much more excited over 122 mile an hour ground out and double play ball to kill an inning than a simple loop into the outfield that falls in for a base hit or, you know, a pop-up like Joey Gallo hit, which turned into a three-run home run down the line against Seattle. And that was a huge, Yankee moment for Joey Gallo. I, I I mean, this stuff boggles my mind. Um, A few other things in the baseball news. So the Field of Dreams game is tomorrow. I'm going to watch the movie again tonight. I'm going to make my wife watch it. I watched it with my father. It's a father-son story. Uh, again, I talk about this all the time on the podcast. I have my father on the podcast all the time. It's a big this is a big father son podcast. I have a great relationship with my father, thankfully, and our sp- sports relationship is a big part of it. And so that movie is special to me. I'm I am dying to go to the game tomorrow. Obviously, it's in the middle of nowhere and Iowa <laughs> um, and it's super expensive, like uh, fifteen hundred dollars to get in. Um, so tough, but I'm going to be watching that game. Uh, maybe. <laughs> um Another thing that came out is Barstool. There was a lot of uh, backlash that Barstool might start doing broadcasting games. Um, by the way, uh, hit me up. If anyone's listening to this, I did uh, an episode with uh, Eric Hubbs from Barstool. So if anyone's listening to this, I love sports. I talk baseball. I'd love to get into broadcasting. Um, and that's a, a, something I've talked about on this podcast, something I've talked about all, off this podcast. I think having a simulcast of games in the future is the ultimate future of sports broadcasting, where it's not as buttoned up Yes, there's the buttoned up um, product still, and this is not going to happen anytime soon because the big networks like Fox and like those networks are not going to want to lose out on their money and their advertising, which ultimately they will if they have to split the revenue with another network. But if it's streamed on another platform where it's a little bit more relaxed, there's some betting centric, maybe there's like even cursing or anything on it. And it's kind of less of a play-by-play, but there's kind of more a relaxed play-by-play guy. I can do that. I love doing play-by-play. If you didn't see my video from the uh, Philly game, I'm really proud of this. I went to the Philly game. Uh, Shout out Magic Mike, Shlomo Levenger, who's actually been in the news a little bit with uh, Carton and Roberts and all those guys uh, talking about him and the magic he's done. But if you didn't hear, I was at the Philly game. Great game. I got to see them sweep the mats. Uh, Zach Wheeler, Revenge. Threw a two hit shutout. One of the greatest pitching performances I've seen. He retired twenty two straight at some point in the game. And at the end of the game, I took a video of the last out and I did a little broadcast at the end. And I really liked it. I thought I sounded really good. Um, so that's that. Um, uh, so Barstool, yeah, the backlash was obvious. So Barstool's racist, Barstool's misogynist, all that stuff. So baseball might back out of that uh, deal, which didn't happen yet, but it sounds like it's definitely in the works and. Dave Portnoy actually said he thinks maybe Major League Baseball kind of released it just so that they can put some feelers out to see if, you know, there's going to be negative backlash. And there was. um, And Barstool tried to get it under control. So obviously, Dave did confirm that they are working on something by not confirming it, but saying what he said. Um, So we'll see what happens with that. And I do think that would be a huge thing. Another story that's been going on in baseball is the ball ball girl out in LA. And I actually, um, I messaged her, tried to reach out to her on social media to get her to come on the podcast because it's a super cool story. Basically, what happened was um, a fan ran on the field. We we're seeing so many more streakers on the field than ever before, um, and the sec- whole security is tracing him around Dodger Stadium, and no one can catch him. It's a bunch of security guys, and he runs towards the ball girl and she just tackles him into the first row of the seats he flips over the wall into the seats and then the security came and tackled him but she's been getting a ton of attention the reason I know this is because when I reached out to her initially um when it came out who she was she had like 5000 followers on Instagram and now she's got like 20000 followers already within you know 12 hours um so she's blown up but that was just kind of a cool story um, i'd love to hear about what what it's like to be a ball girl at a, a major league baseball game and why she thinks maybe people are running on the field more than ever um so that's cool if you didn't see that go check that out uh as far as broadcasting i mentioned before that i think that's the future of broadcasting with barstool uh i've been listening to more and more broadcasting uh and kind of working on it it's something i want to do i'm not shy about it i always think and i always say this You should speak your dreams out loud. You should speak your goals out loud. You should talk. And I I try and do this more on the podcast. You should talk about um, things that maybe you're you're kind of hoping and aspiring to because you should be honest with yourself about what those things are and where you want to get to in life. Um, And yeah, I'd love to do sports broadcasting in my life. Is it realistic? No, it's not realistic for everyone, but I think I can get there. And if you do talk about your goals and dreams and aspirations out loud, then you have to hold yourself to it because everyone else is listening and there's people out there. So um, that's something that I'm really interested in. Uh, I, I My dream interview, one of them is Joe Buck. I think the way he talks about how he watched his father and his relationship with his father, he was one of the guys. He's going to be broadcasting the game tomorrow night. Um, he has a very special father son relationship in sports um, and it led him to his broadcasting career. So he's a guy who I, I really admire in what he does and it's just so appropriate that he's going to be broadcasting the field of dreams game um and so that's a dream interview for me i kind of want to do some uh broadcasting related thing on this podcast i'm trying to figure out what it would be um so i don't know if it's this podcast or if it's something else entirely i'm kind of working on that now in the works writing it like i said lots of stuff going on inside of my head um but i'm verbalizing it because I need to hold myself to it, like I said. An interesting thing that we've seen in baseball, and I'll close with this, is um it's very top-heavy right now. Uh, if you look at the AL East, you have the Toronto Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees have been the best teams in baseball since the All-Star break. The Red Sox are faltering, but they're still in second place and in a wild-card spot. You look out west and you have the A's and the Houston Astros are incredible. Um, you look at the Central, and yes, the White Sox play in a terrible division, but they're a really good team still. Those are seven teams in the American League that are all really good. Everyone else in the American League kind of stinks. And you look out in the National League and you got out west, you still have the Giants, you have the Dodgers, you have um San Diego, obviously in that division. In the central, you have Milwaukee and what they've been able to do this year, which has been incredible. Yes, in a weaker division. And that's four teams. And then there's everyone else. So you have 11 teams in baseball. That's really good. I'm not even going to talk about the NL East because everyone's just been a train wreck in that division. And maybe someone will separate themselves. I thought it was going to be Philly, but they've reverted back. Now they're playing against a real team like the Dodgers. They haven't looked good at all so far. Um, maybe we have to move to a different format for the playoffs. I don't know. <laughs> where if there's only 11 teams that are really good and really deserving, do you make it East and West? Do you kind of split them off and split them up in the playoffs and just do the top 12 teams? We've never seen anything like this. And this happens every few years in sports. Um, And I think it's just bad for the sport. I think it's teams don't value winning every year. Like the idea that I talked about with the bulls, just trying to get better for this season to try and win this season, even if you're not winning a championship is important. Like, the Orioles being totally complacent and fine with w- losing 108 games. like They led in every game over the weekend against Tampa Bay and then lost to them because they just don't value winning at all. And th- that's not great for the sport. A team that has that pe- people thought was going to be like that is the Detroit Tigers, and they're actually playing hard every game, and they, they win some games. Um, so that's good to see. Uh, but I don't know. There's 11 good teams, and yes, I'm a Yankee fan, and I, I think this team might be on the outside looking in when all is said and done when it comes to the playoffs. So maybe that's why this is bothering me. But I think there are better teams in the playoffs that are going to miss the playoffs this year. Um, and these 11 teams are those good teams. And I think beyond that, some other teams are going to get in that are not as good. Anyway, that's the podcast. That's the episode. Uh, again, social media links, lots of new stuff coming out for the podcast. So look out for that. Um Working on a bunch of stuff. And I'll be back with more. Uh, probably next Wednesday. So until then, uh, send me a voicemail, a voice message. It's in the link in the description. Uh, Give me feedback. I'd love to hear about it. Um, And uh, see ya.